23 minutes after 7 p.m. and uh, second wicket falls uh, there. 22 uh, for two wickets uh, is Bangladesh. And uh, yeah, uh, I guess uh, the uh, South African attack there buoyant somewhat as uh, we saw uh, one jotty making it to the crease. Uh, so that being said, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. As I said, if indeed it's something you've been following or you've managed to catch some of the games, uh, do uh, share with us, I guess, uh, what this might mean for the women's game here in South Africa. We go straight now into our wrap of the top business stories and we start things out out at Tiger Brands. These are the guys who give us so many brands that we're familiar with. Ace, Maze Meal, they give us... Um, you know, status, roll-on, they give us, I mean, Tibalandonina. And uh, we joined to take a look at this set of company news and many other stories by Akwana Mlamleli, Portfolio Manager out of 27 for Investment Managers. Akwana, good evening to you. Welcome. Thank you. Good evening, Ayabong, and to your listeners this afternoon. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Can't complain. How are you? No, I'm good. Thank you very much. Good, good, good. Akwana, let's start out there with Tiger Brands uh, coming out and uh, saying... Uh, because they sell, I guess, a lot of commodities across their brand line, saying uh, still massive challenges for them uh, on the cost side of things, uh, notwithstanding, of course, uh, lower volumes of sales. Uh, they've had to be very vigilant on their pricing strategy uh, in order to put out some of the numbers they've put out. What do you make of those? Yeah, so correct. Maybe just to add to your list, also the make of Django Oats and Testics, which yes. we obviously all grew up with. Yes. Um, yeah, so the, yeah, so South Africa's biggest food producer, Tiger Brands, um, coming out with a statement indicating for the four months revenue, um, end of January rose by 17% year on year, um, as, it, as obviously was able to raise prices um, due to an increasing soaring of costs, particularly input costs, some of the raw materials that they um, that go into making some of these goods. Um, so they did say they increased prices by 18% um, in the four months to the end of January of this year, um, while the price hikes were um, obviously boosted their the revenue um, from continued operations. Um, however, it did take a slight dip um, in overall volume by approximately 1%, and um, the 1% dip um, being affected by mostly the macroeconomic variables that we've all become quite familiar with. Um, the level high levels of inflation, um, high interest rate hikes that have taken place in the last um, 12 to 14 months, um, but also consumers also becoming more price conscious, um, particularly with regards to basic food segments and what they're currently buying, particularly for some of the mm. households. Um, so Tiger Bank also indicating that the price hikes um, were obviously to manage some of the raw materials, but also the cost increases um, that have taken place uh, throughout the last 12 to 14 months. Uh, mm-hmm. But in terms of some of the other costs that the country had to incur, um, was a quite a hefty um, fuel bill. Um, Target Bank spent um, 27 million rand, sure. um, particularly in, in obviously the diesel, um, for some of the backup generators um, for the four month period. Um, and, and it also expects to um, spend an additional 15 million rand um, on maintenance, um, particularly um, throughout the year until September. And, and I guess, you know, uh, w- when one looks at that, and you look at some of the segments where they're seeing significant volume growth. You're spending more on, on uh, alternatives to electricity. You're also, in large part, to respond to growing demand, growing some of your volumes in rice, sorghum, you know, breakfast, pasta, beverages, and so on. Um, and so you have to respond to that demand because if I get, go to a store and I want some of uh, uh, one of the uh, Tiger Brands products, I want to see it. And yet, on the cost side of things, there are things that you can't really reasonably predict. Um, Load shedding, the stages of it. Um, I mean, 
and of course the implication of that to you know 250,000 rand per stage 1.5 million in incremental costs and if they get to stage mm-hmm. 6 and 8 a further capex of around 120 million to uh, build on mm-hmm. additional generators to just keep the production line going yeah so i think the company um i think was one of the ones that were quite um proactive um so the, the company indicating that they were somewhat shielded from the large extent um, from the substantial impact of power cuts, um, particularly in the last year, um, because they have made um, significant investments um, to secure backup generating capacity. Um, so that obviously doesn't impact um, operations um, to a big extent, um, but obviously they have had to make uh, quite a numerous investments due to the unpredictable nature um, of some of the power cuts that we've had um, in the last um, year or so. Mm. But I, but I guess when you look at entities like this, I often find you know some of these secondary millers and processors uh, to have some very strong, you know, uh, trading margins. Um, with all of these cost pressures, I mean, have these been eating into some of these margins, or have, are we still seeing margins here coming in at around the same levels? Yeah, so I think it will continue to eat in some of these margins. So the numbers that they released is for the four months. So um, we've still got to the end of September where they will um, we'll be reporting for the financial year. Um, and I think that fuel um, has worked obviously um, bent into some of their numbers, but also the macroeconomic um, conditions, um, particularly with regards to consumers cutting back on, on, on a number of items, um, will also um, play into the forward in some of the numbers that do come out um, in the financial year period when they do report later this year. Mm. Interesting story here. And of course, you know, um, I mean, as I was going through some of the SENS announcements uh, earlier on today, Salungano, uh, formerly known as West Coal, um, up in early trade this morning, around 16%, according to Market Screener. And uh, this on the back of the signal by RBFT Investments, uh, which I understand is a tie-up including or um, consortium, including the likes of Semeca Capital, which is Robinson Ramaitis Outfit, and of course, the Industrial Development Corporation. Mm. They put out a very interesting note. Uh, not, they said two things. The first was, you know, they're going to be buying gradually a lot more shares in Salungano and West Coal. They are quite bullish on it. It's one of the suppliers to ESCOM, but also thermal coal prices are looking good, I would think. Uh, but in addition to that, they went even further, Akona, to say their long-term or medium-term view is mm. that they would like to buy up all of the ordinary share capital of West Coal and subsequently delist the entity. Mm. Yeah, so the company's um, Salungano Group um, actually ended up the trading day up 15.7% um, today, um, currently trading at about 1.40, the price that they actually want to buy it with. Mm. So um, as we've indicated, the shareholder, RBFT, um, disclosing its intention to acquire the whole stake of the company, um, of Salungano Group, um, indicating that the plans to buy a total of about 16 million shares um, in the exploration and mining, um, mining services company um, at a price of $1.40 um, per share. Um, it will obviously start off gradually, um, and then um, intention is obviously to acquire, and then um, will be benefiting from the JC, um, they're looking at about early March. Um, so this will obviously be lead to obviously some shareholders um, outside of um, the RBFT will need to obviously dilute and start selling their shares, mm. um, trading, yes, and obviously before the end of the 3rd of March, they've indicated where it, it has made it its intention to um, acquire particularly um, some Mungalo group. And, and I guess when you look at this, uh, there's another question, which is what would the benefit be 
of delisting Atika like Salungano uh, with some of the underlying operational dynamics I've mentioned in the coal sector? Yeah, so I think um, maybe some of the regulatory, quite hefty regulatory um, requirements that the JSC does have, particularly for um, some of these companies, particularly a company like Salungano, who mostly considered a small cap company. Um, so it has obviously been trading for a, a, quite a long time, having recently changed its name um, from Wake Coal. Um, so some of those regulatory requirements, um, and also maybe away from public scrutiny. Um, so maybe the um, main investor, RBSP, um, has ambitions um, of maybe wanting to do more with the company that it currently can't do um, with other shareholders um, currently being at the board um, presently. What would that be? What kind of things would you want to do uh, that maybe the other shareholders uh, or minority shareholders might block? Yeah, so maybe a number of strategic acquisitions that they okay. would um, look at um, going into um, where it would have to go to the board where particularly at an AGM be one of the resolutions where if a number of shareholders don't agree on some of these resolutions, um, some of these resolutions won't be passed mm. and they won't be able to obviously go ahead with some of these investments that they want to go with. So maybe that's the reason that they want to just um, have full control and just be in control in terms of the trajectory, um, particularly for um, Southern Java. Sure, sure. Let's talk Sibanya Stillwater, staying in the commodities sector. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, a reporting period that coincided with one of the longest gold sector strikes uh, that have been seen in recent memory. Uh, what impact did that have on their production? But also, uh, you might want to comment just on the basket prices of some of the platinum that indeed they produce uh, from Lonman's former operations among some of the operations. Yeah, so Sibanye came out um, with a trading update today. Um, this is ahead of the financial results, which will be coming out next week. Um, so the precious metals group indicating and warning the market that it expects um, about 40 to 46% year-on-year decrease in earnings per share um, and about 46 to 51% decrease in headline earnings per share um, for the period of December of last year. Um, so this is obviously quite a damper that it has indicated that there were a number of hurdles that the company had to go through, um, particularly in the last six months of trading um, with regards to the strikes that did take place, um, some of the operations domestically and also some of the operations um, in the U.S., um, that were uh, experiencing some flooding, um, which we're obviously trying to ramp up production, particularly in the U.S., um, and also some of the free negotiations, which um, we are all quite aware of, the free negotiations and the waste talks that um, stalled last year, um, which unfortunately did impact um, operations, um, particularly um, in particular of Sibania Stillwater. Mm. The other thing I wanted us to, to talk about in terms of Sibania, because they also put out another guidance in the market today about uh, their investment in New Century. And uh, I always find this so interesting, because if, if I look at what they've been talking in relation to the circular economy, a lot of these minds have been talking about, you know, um, I guess, how it is they want, in response to a favorable price environment for certain commodities, to remine or reinvest in legacy resources or legacy assets or legacy shafts, if I can call it that. What do you make of how Sabanya has gone about that? Um, you know, uh, probably now around holding a fifth or so in New Century and uh, their aim, much like uh, the folk out at uh, RBFT in relation to Salungano, is to go and get all the ordinary share capital that's issued of this particular entity and, I assume, delisted. Yeah, so um, after the um, trading statement that came out this morning, um, there was another one where the um, Sibani Stormwater indicating um, that it had launched a 
1.1 Australian dollars share takeover of Australian bank mining recently resources, which it already holds approximately 19.9% interest. Um, so I think it's obviously trying to diversify some of their interests, particularly um, in obviously different regions. Um, they do obviously have quite a significant portfolio mix of mines in South Africa. Um, but um, they also did say in the, in, the, in the trading statement that they did express concern, um, particularly in some of the, the change in the strategic direction of which new century in its current management is currently going. So maybe they obviously just want to take control and just be um, more... Um, in control, obviously, the trajectory, particularly for new century, and that's why they're obviously making up this offer and hopefully wanting to take up their, um, their interest um, to have obviously a bigger stake than the current 19.9% interest that they currently have. Yeah, and I, and I guess, you know, the other element is, I don't know what kind of behemoth or animal Sabanya will be at the end of this shopping expedition, multi-year shopping expedition, if I might say that. Mm-hmm. No, I think it will be a, a completely different picture. Um, I think um, we saw the commodities boom, particularly in the likes of 2021. Um, and I think coming to 2022, 2023, um, we see that particularly come down, um, particularly some of the, the prices. Um, so I think it is obviously trying to um, get into other um, revenue streams outside of the country um, and just get into a, a different tier in terms of where the trajectory of the business will go um, going forward. And then, uh, I guess, you know, just the last one on this particular one, um, you know, if we look at the lower basket prices, we've got the budget tomorrow. Uh, and often what is said when the outlook on economic growth is considered is the impact of commodity prices on the potential collectibles for the receiver of revenue and for the fiscus. Uh, what do you make of, um, I guess, what clues the basket prices of the commodity Savanya trades in give us about whether or not commodity prices are softening and to what degree? Yeah, so I think it will impact particularly um, the salt collection going forward. Um, so I think, um, as I've alluded, some of these um, resources prices have come down. Um, particularly of gold obviously has come to quite nicely year to date. Uh, but I think the trajectory um, for some of these um, resource prices um, could come under significant strain and won't be able to provide the big peaks that we did see in 2021 coming into early 2022. And then, uh, I guess, the other story uh, that we've got, uh, which I'd like us to look at, uh, Sasol Limited putting out their set of numbers, lower quality coal, challenges on the operational front, um, but uh, also a lot of non-operational items that have uh, probably uh, uh, triggered them to be in the black. Uh, what do you make of this? Yeah, so it's also Sasol coming out this morning with their interim results. Um, so I think it was a mixed bag um, with the Sasol group reporting a 9% profit um, for the half year. Um, that is obviously described also as a mixed bag. Um, it benefited um, last year from the higher oil prices. Um, however, this was offset um, by the weaker global economic environment um, due to some of the higher costs and um, power costs and some of the challenges, particularly in the rail logistics framework. Um, so Sasol's core earnings per share came in at about 24, ran 55 for the six months into December, um, compared to the previous um, year, year coming in about 22, ran 52. Um, so that's obviously a mixed bag, but um, an improved and decent number. Um, the earnings before interest in tax coming in at about 24.2 billion for the six months for December. Um, and I think what shareholders will be quite pleased with um, is the interim dividend of 7 rand per share, um, which the company did 
um, announced today. So you recall um, in 2020, 2021, um, no dividends were paid, particularly by the company. Um, and then last year, the company did not declare an interim dividend, but they did declare a final dividend. So um, I think it, it obviously does paint a picture of, of an improved environment um, with that similar pressure that they came out with this morning. Akona, always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks again. Thanks. That there was Akona Mlamlele, Portfolio Manager out at 27.4 Investment Managers, joining us for our wrap of the top business stories.